Welcome everybody back to another episode of You Make Me Sick. Today's a very special episode. Uh, I have a dear friend and colleague here with me. Uh, this is Hannah. Say hello, Hi. Hannah. Hi, how so are you? Hannah, Hannah is a fellow nurse. Uh, she is about to take her second trip on uh, Mercy Ships. So Mercy Ships, we're going to kind of get into that on this episode, talk a little bit about that. She has a fundraiser coming up, <clears throat> excuse me, at the end of this week. So I want to talk about that too. Uh, it is the uh, the season of generosity, the season of kindness. Uh, so I'm hoping that uh, even if people want to donate just a little bit, either to her or to Mercy Ships directly, that uh, maybe they'll take that opportunity after hearing what she has to say. Uh, so it's some important stuff to talk about. Um, so Hannah, welcome. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I, I kind of want to start by just talking about... Uh, around the world, we're very lucky where we live. Uh, we have access to antibiotics, to the best healthcare in the world, especially we're in Boston, one of the best cities in the world, if not the best for healthcare. Uh, but there are a lot of underdeveloped countries and even continents, Africa, almost all of a whole. Very unfortunate, <coughs> excuse me, my voice, uh, when it comes to actually getting appropriate healthcare, uh, adults and children alike. Uh, in fact, People living in low-income countries, they're far more likely to die from a communicable disease than non-communicable diseases. So communicable diseases uh, are essentially like infections, uh, you know, anything from influenza all the way to bacterial infections, whereas non-communicable diseases, uh, something more like uh, heart disease, stroke, cancer, uh, those are things that you see in populations that can obviously kind of treat those other uh, diseases and, and I wouldn't say eradicate them, but definitely reduce the incidence to the point where they're not causing uh, mass mortality. So uh, six of the top 10 causes of death in low-income countries are actually communicable diseases. And uh, one child in eight will actually die before the age of five in a lot of these countries because they don't have access to proper health care. Uh, you were mentioning to me earlier that there is, you know, specifically a, a disease process called NOMA that uh, tends to happen in a lot of the, you said it's pediatrics. Mm -hmm. And that's something you guys help treat while you're on Mercy Ships. Do you have, explain that a little bit more? It's something yeah, so, I wasn't familiar with. Yeah, it's something, again, working in Boston, um, we don't quite see, even in the United States, throughout the United States. So in many countries in Africa, there's something called NOMA, and it's a um, gangrenous infection that affects disproportionately young children, and obviously disproportionately those who don't have access to um, medications that we ha would have, such as antibiotics. So someone might get an infection and... If they don't have the, um, if they don't have the correct amount of nutrition, and they don't have, they're not at the right weight, and they can't quite fight off the infection, it can specifically target soft tissue and hard tissue around the mouth, especially lips, soft palate, the nose. So we'll see a lot of children that come in that might have had um, pieces of their face eaten away by this terrible infection, and we even have we have some adults come in, even fifty year old men who were affected by it when they were young and they come in and have been having to deal with these facial abnormalities and the ship itself serves to um, do plastic surgeries and maxillofacial surgeries to try to correct and offer them some more function to their face. Which is, yeah, something else I want to bring up too is there's you know, 5 billion people on the planet actually lack access to safe surgery. So, and in a lot of these areas, especially uh, Southeast Asia and Africa, they don't even have the operating ability to deal with any of these conditions. So that's something else that Mercy Ships obviously provides. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more of that too when you tell me a little bit more of your story while being on Mercy Ships. Um, 
Also want to mention, so over 50% of the world's population lives near a coast. So this was part of the inspiration for Mercy Ships. Uh, I kind of want to get into a little bit of a history of Mercy Ships as, to, as well, just to kind of let people know exactly what they are. I think people, they're, they're pretty familiar with Doctors Without Borders. Like that seems to be a, a fairly well-known uh, volunteer organization where uh, medical personnel will go. Um, I don't know if they still do uh, like war-torn areas or not, but they'll go to areas of the, you know, the world, uh, probably a lot in Africa, Southeast Asia, a lot of these underdeveloped countries. Uh, Mercy ships, under the same kind of uh, umbrella as that, they're definitely different than Doctors Without Borders. They're their own entity. They were actually founded in 1978 by Don and Dayon Stevens. Uh, from, they're originally in Switzerland. And since their inception, uh, you know, it was that 45 years ago, they've visited more than 55 developing nations, 18 developed nations around the world, uh, with a focus of those mostly being in Africa for about the past 30 years. You know, as we all know, I, you're probably not old enough. I'm old enough to remember the famine in Africa back in the 80s. There's Christmas songs written about it. Uh, there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas, which I hate, but it's the message is there. You know, no, it's a terrible Christmas song. So, so with that, that's where Mercy Ships has kind of been in play. Uh, and there's something that they send out a couple of ships every year. Uh, we'll get into the specifics about those ships as well, because they're huge. They're like floating cities almost. Uh, and what they provide, the services are really amazing. So a few questions for you, just to get you kind of uh, introduced and uh, let our audience know a little bit about you. So you're a registered nurse. How long have you been a nurse for? I've been a nurse for a little over four years now. And that, all of that's been in the intensive care unit, correct? All in the medical ICU at Boston Medical Center. All right. Thank you for your service there. Good old BMC. Thank you, uh, too. How did you, how, how did you hear about Mercy Ships? So I actually heard about it from my grandfather. So um, he's done, or he had done, about 15, 20 service trips and missions trips throughout his life, all throughout probably to five different countries, uh, continents, um, multiple different countries. I actually had the pleasure of going to Peru with him. Um, and again, the, my trips that I've done have all been medical related as well. And I just saw that desire to, you know, put my nursing to work. And that's the crux of why I want to be a nurse. Um, and so he was telling me about Mercy Ships. And to me, that's how I want to share my nursing and my care for others. It's so awesome. I was telling you this earlier, like I'm way too selfish of a person to leave everything I have here. Um, you know, my, my wife, my job, all the, all the conveniences I have to just pick up and, and take off. And we'll talk a little bit about kind of your situation too, going there, but like you, you'll have no income while you're there. You're leaving your job behind. You have to pay for almost all your expenses while you're there, including your airfare. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you still have a rent that you have to pay here. You have bills here that you have to pay. But you're just saying, you know what, I'm going to take two months and go and just serve somebody else who doesn't have, you know, the opportunities or even the life that we have here. It's extremely noble. And it's something, like I said, I'm glad you're doing it because I, I'm just too selfish of a person to even try and, and do that. Well, thank you. I mean, like I also mentioned before, I feel like we all have our own desires. There's obviously so much need in our city and our country itself, you know, that needs health care and needs people to provide. I agree. Yeah. I mean, the United States, like there are a lot of people say, well, why not just, you know, start with at home at the same time, we have so many resources here that people can seek out. Like, I think it's important for us to actually help other people who don't have those resources at all. So it's one of those things that, you know, their malnutrition and starvation is a real thing in some of these countries. It's almost impossible to die of malnutrition or starvation here in the United States. Like you have to just not decide to not eat anymore. There's access to all that. There's access to healthcare everywhere. 
it's not free, but you're not going to get denied. You know, you may get a bill, but you know, obviously you can make a payment plan or not pay it. It's you'll never be denied healthcare here. And you have that option. A lot of these people don't even have the option of seeking that healthcare. So, so did you know, like with mercy ships, did you know anything about mercy ships themselves, their history, or, you know, just what the ships themselves would kind of the, the facilities that they had on board? So going into it, I knew a little bit. Um, my first trip was last year in, well, I guess the beginning of this year in 2023. Um, I was somewhat a late add-on to the ship. So I ended up having to buy my tickets about four days before I flew off to West Africa. Um, so it's a little bit of a whirlwind, but um, I went in not really knowing anyone. I did my own research as much as I could. Um, I knew that we'd be living on the ship. I knew... Um, that its slogan is to bring hope and healing to um, the world. And so trying to like the world's forgotten poor. And again, that's kind of my philosophy when it comes to nursing. So there was a lot I didn't know going into it. And there's a lot I learned through being in it, but knowing that this uh, mobile hospital ship that it's just initially when I started, I thought again, mobile hospital ship, corrective surgeries, that's amazing. And throughout my time, I realized it has a much more holistic view for interacting with the country. And that's really what made me really enjoy my yeah. time and really look forward to coming back. So, yeah, I want to briefly just kind of touch like on the ships themselves. So they have two ships in their fleet. So they have the Africa Mercy and the Global Mercy. Um, the Global Mercy uh, is their newest ship. It was just created, well, not created, but finished in 2021. Uh, it's the largest civilian hospital ship in the world. It's uh, 37,000 tons, 570 feet long. It has 12 decks. So this thing's like a cruise ship. It's gigantic. It's like a floating city. Yes. Uh, they have, obviously, there's a hospital there. Uh, decks three and four are their hospitals. Um, let's see. They have six operating rooms. Uh, they have 12, 100. They have a total of almost 200 beds. Uh, they have 102 kind of what we call acute care beds. That means that kind of need uh, like nursing care you know, somewhat around the clock. They have seven ICU beds. So that's, you know, obviously 24 hour care uh, with, uh, you know, one to two patients per nurse, hopefully. I don't know how they do their staffing there. And then there's 90 self-care beds, which I'm assuming are for, you know, maybe post-surgery or people who just need observation, but 200 beds in and of itself, like literally it's like a floating hospital. It's huge. Uh, they also have classroom spaces. They have simulation labs, uh, state-of-the-art technology. And this was actually, I guess, a, this is a, something people might not realize. You're not just a floating hospital, but it's also a, a resource of education. So they can go to these areas that don't have uh, the best education, best facilities for teaching and bring on medical personnel from these countries and actually teach them through simulations uh, and actually educate them so that they can, you know, you can, uh, what is it, uh, feed a man a fish, feed him for one day, teach a man to fish, feed him for life, that type of thing, where by passing on this knowledge, they can bring it back to their country. Were you able to actually witness like any of these classes? Did you see any of the, uh, the rooms where they do simulations or anything? Yes. So again, that's one thing that really drew me back into why I really fell in love with the mission of Mercy Ships and how it's more than just, you know, putting a bandaid on an issue that we see in these countries that are in the process of developing. Um, so it's called medical capacity building is where some of the staff work and there's nurses, there's physicians. Um, they do a lot of interaction with the community. So in my Senegal field service in 2023, it was um, based a lot on anesthesia and teaching for that. So they did intubation teaching. They talked about induction and a lot of these providers in, at least in this example, Senegal, 
were obviously trained in this. However, they might not see it very often and they don't, they may not have the education that either we have as providers from the United States or anywhere throughout Europe or Australia, New Zealand, there's um, volunteers that come from all around the world. So we did partnership again with physicians. But we also did partnership with nurses. So local nurses were able to come on. They were able to shadow us. Um, and there's also a dentistry clinic as well. Mm-hmm. And there was people able to um, partner with that. And just in general, um, I believe we'll probably touch on it, but there's a lot of local individuals who spend their time volunteering. They have a very minimal stipend. Um, and so they could be anywhere from lawyers. They could also be merchants, but they come onto the ship and they donate their time as well. And so they'll learn different skills. They might work with a nutritionist and understand the balance of food. And it's just a real good, pretty beautiful balance of knowledge. And we obviously learn so much from our day crew from the people that volunteer and from the local physicians and nurses as well. It's pretty impressive. Like when you think about just, you know, mm-hmm. like why can't they just have that there permanently? But it's, I'm glad that, and you said you were in Senegal and they, they pick different ports. Do they pick different ports every year, every few years? Are you yeah, going somewhere just, different this year? Yes. Yeah, so this year, <clears throat> Sierra Leone, um, for okay. my, ship, I'll be back on the global mercy. And then the Africa Mercy is the other ship, and that one will be going to Madagascar. So a lot of these um, countries will have been to before. So Senegal, we were in in 2019 to 2020 during the pandemic, and there was the whole <laughs> having to sadly extricate ourselves from that for everyone's safety. But then they came back in 2022, I believe, and then again last year in 2023. And then Sierra Leone, I think it's been a little over a decade since we've been there. So they try to offer support but not have it be too reliable in a way that hopefully again encouraging you know self self-sufficiency almost yeah. Yeah, so yeah you mentioned yeah the africa mercy that's their other ship so a little bit smaller than the global mercy um the africa mercy was uh, completed in 2007 that one's got about eight decks uh similar setup though five operating rooms they have an icu they have an ophthalmology unit there and they also have, you know, they have imaging devices too. Do you know if there's a CAT scan and an X-ray on the Africa Mercy? I'm assuming Global Mercy has the same yes. the CT X-ray, which is excellent. That's technology that may not have been available to any of these people before. So it especially really for some of those the, tougher cases. Yeah, especially <laughs> the mapping of some of these massive, very involved uh, maxillofacial surgeries where these tumors that have incredible involvement throughout the jaw, the soft tissue, will do hemimandibulectomies, total mandibulectomies, having to put plates in, make sure there's no rejection, very specific things. And maxillofacial will um, work and collaborate with plastic surgery. And so there's some patients, there's a six-year-old little boy who had to have six different surgeries, I believe, to help, you know, with skin grafts, with removal of anything that he needed to. So having this imaging has just obviously helped, you know, move forward with all of the procedures, the surgeries, and helped aid their success. And then these ships also, like, so beyond that, they also have classrooms. Uh, They have classrooms for, I guess, volunteers can bring their kids on board and they can teach them. So, excuse me. Yes. It's a fully accredited school as well. So there's teachers that'll come and volunteer their time, but I believe there's close to 70 children that go to school wow. in this fully accredited school. They're up on deck 11 and 12. So the top decks is where the academy is. Um, and the children there are able to do like kind of, they call it like internships, but it's even, I believe it's even the middle schoolers and up to the high schoolers as well. So they can volunteer in the coffee shop that we have. They can volunteer in the kitchen. They can learn more about human resources and the finance side. And 
um, even in the hospital and help with nutrition or um, the rehab and PTOT and all of that. So it's really, really cool to have everyone really involved in part of it. So I, I was also reading, so they house, I mean, these ships also house the crew. So the Global Mercy has, I was reading over 600, uh, they have accommodations for 641 people beyond uh, just the patients. So that's, that would be, you know, volunteers and crew. Uh, the Africa Mercy has, I think, 400 or so. Let's see mm-hmm. if I can find the exact number. No. Um, but it looks like the Africa Mercy also has a Starbucks. Did you guys have a Starbucks or just a regular coffee shop there on Global? We have a coffee shop that's run by the volunteers. So they're able to, okay. you know, be baristas and help us sure. out to make it through and, our night shifts and day shifts. Library, laundry, uh, rest. I guess the Africa has a restaurant and a gymnasium. Like these are literally like floating yeah. cities. So same, yeah, same which with is the- excellent. Yeah, I would get bored to death. I'd get cabin fever. But I mean, you guys, when you're docked, though. So when you're docked, you can actually you have free time to get off the ship and go and kind of explore a little bit. So yeah. how was that? Did you find that to be a, a just a fun experience? Probably something pretty unique, yeah. huh? It was very unique. It was again, it's one thing when you go visit a different city. You, you know, you're there for maybe a week. If you're lucky, week and a half too. But um, in this case, again, when I was in Dakar, Senegal, the capital, we stayed in port, but you could leave the ship when you needed to. You found new friends. We were able to even um, try our hand at surfing a little bit, but you really become part of the city. You know, like you become, you live there, you immerse yourself. And again, the friends, like I was saying, are day crew. So individuals that choose their local Senegalese, or we actually, that service also served the Gambia, a country just within Senegal. Mm-hmm. So there, there is day crew from both of those countries. Um, you get really close with them and they'll show you their favorite local vendor. They'll show you some hidden spots you might not have before. And you really get the inside look at this beautiful city that, you know, you if you just stayed on the ship, which is some people prefer to spend more time on the ship, you might miss out on. But you really get to see the beautiful history, the culture, and it's just truly unique. <laughs> it's a cool experience. So you talked about the day crew. So these are usually people from the countries that you visit. They'll come on. Um, they get, like you said, they'll get a stipend. They don't want to, they, they want to encourage them to help while they're there, but not stay permanently. So they try not to offer them too much because they want to, you know, eventually you're going to leave port. Uh, but let's talk about like you. And as far as like the crew that's there, it's all volunteers that are there. Um, they have crew, they have staff, you guys are responsible for everything. Uh, one of the reasons I want to do this, I want to spread the word about mercy ships, but I want to, I want to help try try and raise money for you as well. So, uh, obviously this is expensive. You mentioned before having to pay for your own airfare, uh, volunteers, uh, essentially you have to pay for everything, immunizations, passport, airfare, to and from. And this is, it's not easy to get to Africa. Like you have to fly, I believe through Europe, right? To get to Africa. Yeah. yeah. So you have to pay for all of that yourself. And then while you're gone, you have all these other obligations. Like you're leaving your job. Your job is not going to be paying you while you're gone. You're a nurse. I, I wish they would do that, but they don't. Uh, so you're still going to have rent that's due. You're going to have all your bills that are due, uh, anything else that you have obligations for, like those aren't put on pause when you're gone. So, and a lot of this fundraising is to try and help kind of offset that. So that not only can you pay for your expenses while you're there, but so you can take care of things at home as well. And then you were mentioning to me also that, uh, that you also have to pay, you says like $400. How much is it for your like board? Yeah, 400 a month for like essentially okay. roaming boards. They do provide food. They provide obviously a safe space. There's security. There's all you need on the ship. But it is um, over the past year, there was a very generous donation. So no one paid crew fees in 2023. But it, next year, they're going to reinstate it. So it's $400 a month to live on the ship. Yeah, so, that's, so you're essentially paying to volunteer. 
So just like, how does that work? Right. But I don't know. The, the rewards, I guess, are spiritual and uh, they'll come back to you hopefully tenfold, um, which is why I want to help out. So hopefully we can, you know, drum up enough support here uh, to help pay for that. Uh, and, and maybe just, like I said, maybe hopefully cover all your costs and help you out while you're gone too. So yeah. uh, something else I read, so I guess crew members can choose to donate blood. Were you ever approached to donate blood while you were there? Um, so when nurses first come on, they go over because collecting blood is slightly different, but they also have a laboratory on board. So a few times, um, my third shift, I was actually approached to be charge nurse. So I had the you know, <laughs> three shifts. Awesome. And <laughs> so unique, but you love it um, to be charge nurse. But if you're charge nurse in an off shift, sometimes you'll have to run blood over to the lab. You'll have to send a page to the lab worker who might be on call and they'll come by and they'll run it. So you're able to go in and see how they process the blood. But while we're in the initial orientation, they pretty much type in screen. I mean, anyone who's open to it. Um, so that in case if they need blood, they'll, they'll have your contact number, your cabin number. They can call the cabin you're staying in or knock on your door or send you a message on the communication app. And you could just be within the next hour, go downstairs. They could, you know, take out a unit and hopefully give it to the patient that might have experienced some large blood loss post-surgery or it's a pretty, pretty amazing thing. Again, like you said, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Just do it all right there. So your first, your first time you went, you were gone for, was it two months you were gone for? Like two and a half, 10 weeks. Two and a half. And then are you, 10 weeks, you're doing the same stint? I'll be doing eight this weeks. This time? Eight weeks. Okay. So a little bit shorter, but, um, and then tell me a little bit about your experience on the ship. You were saying that, so you were on the Global Mercy, which is a newer ship. Um, and that, uh, just how different is it from day to day? Like we work in intensive care. Uh, it's a very controlled environment where we are. We have access to pretty much everything we need uh, on the unit or, with, you know, it's a phone call away. Mm-hmm. How different is this? Did you find that you had fewer resources or you had to be a little more creative with what you did? Did you find there were any times where you didn't, you know, where you didn't really have what you need or it was harder to do your job because of, you know, just the resources that you had? Yeah, I'd say obviously very, you know, unique. We were, um, again, we had the joy of being the first service trip on this Global Mercies, the new ship. So a few of the other nurses and I came before surgeries actually started. So we had to stock the whole hospital. Like we had the Omni cells, so a systematic device, I suppose, similar to a Pixis, but we'll dispense different items. So you have to be very intentional about the items you need. You know, if you're in our hospitals, you can grab, you know, 20 flushes and just put them in like put them in the room and you're going to use them eventually. But with patients, again, you want to be thoughtful and intentional with what you use. Um, a different aspect is everything is paper charting. And I have some friends at our hospital who have been there for about 30 years and they said, so what? But for some of us, we're not used to having everything on paper. Um, yeah, they- when I started out, uh, it was all paper charting when I was a nursing assistant. So 20 years ago, when I was starting out as a nursing assistant, everything was paper. And then even eventually, like it wasn't until I was probably about 10, 15 years ago, they started to kind of transition everything mm-hmm. and the paper charting. Like, did you guys have like the, the fold out, like graphic pages? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what. Yeah. It's pretty crazy when you think about how far we've come just with, but it's not surprising that, you know, it's paper charting Like computer charting systems are expensive to install. And uh, it's a lot of these developing nations, probably if you want to share information, paper charting might be the only access they have. So. It really does streamline too. They have um, 
they have different um, papers and like what you're expecting day one post-op for again, hemimandibulectomy or child that had um, bilateral like bowed legs that had the surgery to correct them, make them straight. The exercises those children need to do, anything like that. So it's pretty system- like systematic, which is helpful for surgical cases because these individuals coming into it are expected to be healthy and they're expected to go through the different days. Obviously, we're anticipating if there's someone who doesn't quite follow that, we're going to obviously treat them accordingly. Um, I feel as though there was... Um, We also compounded almost all of our own medication. We did a lot of um, IV medication going to gravity. So you have to count the drip rates, which I only learned in nursing school. Yeah, that is something that it's like old, old school Mm -hmm. because pumps have been used now for 30 years or so, maybe longer than that, depending where you're at. And it's like, yeah, for people like who aren't nurses. So when you when you set up an IV, you have to have medications go in at a specific rate. So it's usually milliliters per hour. And uh now we have pumps that just do it. So you put it into an IV pump and it's all mechanical and it, you can punch in exactly program what you need, the medication and how much, the concentration and how much you want to instill per hour. Uh, but when you don't have that, what you have is an IV set with a little like roller clamp and you have to use the roller clamp and there's a drip chamber up at the top and you have to actually count the number of drips that come through. So you can calculate how many drips and each drip is maybe one mil. I can't, can't remember exactly what it is, but you have to calculate that way and mm-hmm. per, to get your precise mils per hour. It's, it's definitely, it's more difficult, more time consuming. And it's something that at, at least in, here in the United States, you just never see anymore. So that's pretty crazy. We did have a few syringe pumps again for the pediatric patients for um, okay. any like pain control medication, like a morphine mm-hmm. drip. But yep. those were, again, those were far and few between. Same with feeding pumps. A lot of the maxillofacial patients would have um, tubes that, um, nasogastric tubes, so tubes that go from their nose to their belly because they aren't able to chew with their jaw. Some of the plastic surgery children needed such high calorie intake and such high um, just, you know, food intake in order to help their healing that during the day we would encourage them to eat and at night they'd be on overnight feeds. So they'd have continuous tube feeding and food going through their tubes overnight. So they're just almost getting food 24 seven. So pretty, pretty crazy good. stuff. What's mm-hmm. a, what's your most memorable moment from your trip there? If you had to pick, like, do you have one that kind of stands out above the other ones as far as just that uh, you'll kind of never forget the, like a situation that you'll probably may never be in again, or that you didn't expect to be in. I feel like there's so many moments, so many patients and connections that you just, you know, hard to put a, Hard to put one memory, I guess I have. I'll try to think of just one. One thing, again, that's really unique with the hospital is they have an outdoor space called the veranda. And so every day when it's, so it's eight hour shifts, when day shift and evening shift are overlapping, we take pretty much every patient that can. Again, if they're in the, one of the ICU beds and they're ventilated, we're not going to take them out, but pretty much everyone we try to get outside get some fresh air, play games. There is the old men's table, as they like to call it. So the men that are probably 50s and 60s that have had any, you know, any surgeries, but they're sitting around playing cards. And then you have the six-year-olds that have had reconstructive surgeries to their hands, or again, they had these masses removed, running around full speed on the little terrace veranda, and just the joy that people had. Um, It was really interesting, a lot of the maxillofacial patients, um, due to the culture, and just because if you have a large mass in your face, you may not 
um, feel as much pride in that mass. And so they were a little more reserved when they first came onto the ship. But some of these patients spend two to three weeks, um, sometimes a month there, and seeing these people truly open up, see them actually feel happy enough to smile and seeing that growth. And again, you're working five shifts a week and on your off shift, you can go down and see the hospital too. You really form connections with these patients that you just, unfortunately, I haven't had as much of that experience in the United States, but these patients want to be there and you want to be there and having a whole community, nurses and patients and us all playing together, listening to music. It's just truly unique. It's really cool. And that's awesome. So you're having a fundraiser. It's this Saturday, December 9th, correct? And it's at Stats Bar and Grill in South Boston. Yeah. So this is to help. And once again, this is to kind of raise funds for you, uh, for your trip to help pay for your cost, your expenses while you're there, mm-hmm. uh, and then expenses while you're gone. So uh, I kind of wanted to put that out here. I wanted to announce that to people. If anybody, it, do you know, what time does it start? It's going to start at 1 p.m. 1 p.m. And how long does it go? Do they have a set cap? Is it like um, They don't really have a cap. I'm guessing probably okay. four or five hours. If people want to stay, there's going to be music. There'll be, you can buy drinks from the um, bartender that'll be, or waitress that'll be in that area. I'm going to raffle off a few things. Um, so you can buy tickets, just hang out with friends. We'll kind of keep it open as long as people want to be there. <laughs> That's awesome. So I encourage anybody, if you're around, like obviously Hannah's a complete stranger. It's a great cause. So it's a Saturday afternoon, you're bored. You want to go grab a drink or a burger or something, whatever. I encourage you go to Stats Bar and Grill. Um, it's at like every two dollars $2 of every alcoholic beverage you said goes to you. Yeah. I, so, so if, yeah, two sponsored ones. So High Noons and Bud Lights, right. two extra bucks will go to me. Perfect. All right. High Noons and Bud Lights. So the YouTube, so I put this on a YouTube network that is, it's the Kirk Minahan Show Network, which is, he's a barstool like sports uh, podcaster and his fans actually have a network set aside where we're able to go on and put just essentially random content. A lot of times that has to do with his show. Uh, my stuff, sometimes I'll incorporate things from his show into the, like make me sick world. Um, but Barstool, High Noon and Barstool are essentially partnered up. Like I think High Noon is a Barstool product. Anyways, that's perfect. So, uh, High Noons get out there. Um, and then uh, beyond that, like you said, there'll be raffles. Uh, there'll be a few things getting raffled off so people can go and buy raffle tickets. Um, but I encourage you, please. And then there's other ways to donate too. If you don't drink, if you don't want to deal with people, uh, you can also, so you can directly donate to Hannah uh, if you're comfortable doing that. Uh, you can, are you okay giving your Venmo? Do you want to give your Venmo? Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, what's your Venmo, Hannah? It's Hannah-Miles-6. And that's something else that I, do you mind if I post that? I think it's on, and it's on the invite, right? So there's an invite that came out too. I'll post that again as well. So all that information. If for whatever reason you're not comfortable directly donating to Hannah, there's also a link that I can provide that it's through Mercy Ships, but it connects to Hannah's account or Hannah, is that correct? Yeah. So I can post I can post that as well. And if you're not comfortable with that, but you still want to give to Mercy Ships, uh, I encourage that. I encourage giving to both, but give more money to Hannah. Uh, Mercy Ships from now until the end of the year will actually match whatever you donate as well. So uh, it is the season of generosity, the season of giving. Um, No matter, you know, if you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Festivus, or if you are just agnostic and don't celebrate anything, 
it's still a good time of year to help those who definitely don't have as much as we have. Even if you're to donate a dollar, like $1, all right, uh, it'll be great. So the other thing I encourage people to do is to share this video. Uh, I'm going to post it. Uh, obviously, it'll be on YouTube. I'm going to post it on um, my podcast, uh, my RSS feed, which goes out to Spotify, goes out to Apple Podcasts, like uh, all the major podcast providers. For every download or listen that it gets, I will also donate. I'm going to donate $1 to Hannah and then $1 to Mercy Ships, uh, up to $500. So uh, please, people, give, share this. Um, you know, if nothing else, like I said, donate 50 cents. Who cares? It goes to a great cause. It goes to this wonderful, beautiful young woman who is going to help people who need it. Uh, while we're sitting here in America, stuffing our faces and uh, sitting on our couches and on our phones, these are going to people who could use it. Uh, so please, uh, you know, if you can, if you can't even just, you know, good thoughts, prayers, you know, all those things, wonderful, you know, positive vibes, whatever you want to send are also welcome, I think. So, so Hannah, thank you so much uh, for just joining me. When you, when you come back, will you come back on and kind of share your trip? I would love to. Thank you so much for having me too. It's always yeah. a always a pleasure. It's always a joy to speak about my experience and again sharing some of these people's amazing beautiful stories. And I know you're mentioning all this. Feel free to look up Mercy Ships, some of the stories that they're able to share and the what these individuals have been through and the, you know, the experiences yeah, I'll they link, uh, I'll link Mercy Ships on my Twitter too and I'll make sure to kind of add them um, just whenever I post about them too so people can look up Mercy Ships. But, well, thank you. And you are obviously welcome on at any point in time. If you want to come on and talk about uh, something that isn't mercy ships, if you want to do infectious disease or some kind of, Hannah is actually the one who talked about, uh, she brought up uh, hyperemesis, hy cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. She's the first one to mention it to me. So one of the podcasts also on the network, um, it's a weed show, the 420 guys. It's 420 somewhere is the name of the show, but they had me on and we talked about the um, cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. So but uh, Hannah was the first one to mention that to me. So uh, I can't take credit for knowing, you know, all about that all on my own. So anyway, Hannah, thank you so much. I guess before we leave, three last questions. It is Christmas time. Do you have, if I have asked you a couple of Christmas questions off the cuff. Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Favorite Christmas movie. I think I'd have to say Home Alone off my, all right. my head. It's do, you a have a, do you have a least favorite Christmas movie? I don't know if I have a least favorite one. Do you have a least favorite one? I hate the Polar Express. Oh. I, I really don't like the Polar Express. <laughs> it's just creepy. It's weird. I don't like the animation. I don't like the singing. Yeah. I don't know. My wife puts it on every year and I have to leave the room. But uh, And then how about a favorite Christmas song? Do you have anything in particular that you like? Or maybe a Christmas song that maybe most people haven't heard of that's kind of unique to you that you find... Uh, Christmas song. I feel like I've got to have, I feel like I don't know, have, don't have any unique ones. I always love a good, you know, classic Christmas hymn, but hmm, I don't know. I feel like maybe sleigh ride. It's comfortable. It's easy. You can put it on in the background. Yeah. Not very exciting. Way back. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And one last one, eggnog. Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> too solid. Although I can't do like the whole, the real eggnog, it upsets my stomach from all the dairy, but they have awesome, like they have a really good coconut milk eggnog. Ooh, yeah. I'll have you to give find that one it out there. Yeah, it's fantastic. Otherwise, right, anyway, what's that? Otherwise, you just uh -huh. need, that's all you need. It is, yeah, a little bit, yeah, it goes a long way. 
Hannah, thank you again for coming on. I appreciate it. I will see you at work here at some point in the time. Hopefully I'll be back to work soon. Cross uh, my fingers. <laughs> post stroke. So hopefully next week, but, uh, Thank you again very much. Um, good luck on your trip. I'm going to see what we can do to kind of drum up more support, raise a little more cash for you. So when you go over there, you don't have to worry about that stuff at all. And you can just focus on the nursing. Well, thank you. That means a lot. I know I'm excited. It's a month and two days away. Whew, coming right up. Well, thank you again for having me and have a happy. You're welcome. Any way that everyone celebrates. <laughs> All right, Hannah. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, I will post once again, um, I'll post the uh, kind of the invite to Stats Bar and Grill for this weekend. I'm going to post Hannah's information if you want to donate to her. And then uh, I'll post uh, Mercy Ship's information too, just in case you want to donate to them. So, all right, Hannah, thank you. God bless. And you have a Merry Christmas. All right. Thank you. You as well. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Bye. I don't want a super fella. You know about him. He wets the bed. He'll pee all over me. I know it.